Two hunters are reported missing in Bear Mountain National Forest. The Midwest sees the worst drought in 30 years. Civil unrest is imminent. The Northeast power grid has blacked out. Economists fear the worst with falling markets. In other news, the pandemic has gone global. Reporting from the backwoods of Central Ohio, this is Survival Tech. I'm your host, Corey, and along with me is my producer and co-host, Matt. Hey, how you doing tonight? Good, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Been a long time, but... Has been. At least we have something uh, pretty cool to report on tonight. Yeah, I think tonight we're going to cover some communication techniques and uh, different signaling. The technologies involved. Uh, going back with some of the old technologies and the newer current technologies used. So it should be pretty exciting. Yep. I know. I'm excited. Been doing a lot of research. Um, try and get as much information out there as we can along with some, uh, uh, I don't know, product reviews, I should say. Yeah, we've got some good ones. We've been testing them pretty heavy, especially out in the field. So, uh, which has been you know, not only good for us to actually being able to, you know, test this technology in real time and in real situations, um, but it's also been nice to actually get out in the woods. Yeah, it's been a, uh, well, a couple months now and it's kind of going through withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, hey, uh, what's, uh, what's been going on with you? Is there anything kind of new? Since uh, last podcast, you'd like the uh, listeners to know? Oh, there's been several things going on. Um, between some uh, pretty major storms that came through the area, I believe they hit your area a little worse than mine. Yeah, I um, survived an F2 tornado. It pretty much went straight up my backyard. And uh, thank God that that it, it missed us because uh, there was some pretty heavy damage. And uh, there wasn't one death. Um, and there wasn't even an injury, um, which is pretty amazing for all the damage that, that did occur. I think one of the worst parts about it is that it came through in the middle of the night. Um, it was like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning when it hit my area. I woke up to the uh, alarms going off and got the family together and got them down to the basement safely. And uh, by the time I got on the news, it was hitting your area. Yeah, and see that—that's the thing. You—you actually live west of me, uh, northwest of me. And uh, when it was, when by the time that I woke up, it had already passed. And I think that was the scariest. Now the tornado sirens did wake us up, um, but it was—you know—it was already too late. You know, by the time we actually heard them. Uh, storm had already ripped right through. Um, it was going, it was going pretty fast. We had winds up to 120 mile an hour that, that hit my area. So, I mean, it, and the path was 
straight up my backyard. It was, uh, it was pretty surreal after the fact. And, uh, actually, you know, we are going to, we're going to talk about some sort of a communication device a little bit later on in the show. Um, that is possibly going to prevent sleeping through what we slept through. So, um, I can't wait to, to kind of dive into that a little bit. So let's see. What else have we done, Corey? We've, uh, we went out mushroom hunting. That we did. And there's a reason why they call it mushroom hunting and not mushroom gathering. Yeah, we were out for, uh, there's four of us, uh, four adults, um, a few children, and we were on 15 acres, um, mostly wooded with a uh, creek running through it. It's been uh, just about four hours, maybe a little over four hours, um, combing the woods and didn't find a single mushroom. Yeah, we even did it the right way where we all broke into sectors and kind of, you know, rushed the area, but I mean, it was a great time out in the woods. I wish, I wish we could have spent more time out there, but everybody was kind of on time constraints. I know I was. Um, but it was, it was a little bit disappointing, you know, hearing everybody, you know, pulling out mushrooms around our area left and right and, you know, picking up, you know, between 60 and 120 mushrooms, you know, per trip. We went out and, no luck at all. No, and the uh, the place we went to is uh, about an hour away from our residence. Um, so it was a drive, and we stopped at a gas station right before we got there. And uh, they said the lady that was you know attending the gas station said that the day before she just found 90 right around that same area. So we knew they were there, but just not quite in our location. Right. You know, now we did find a lot of fungus just not the right kind yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know nothing nothing edible so uh but it it was fun and the kids really enjoyed it so that's all that matters right that's right kids had a blast so well let's see instead of eating mushrooms we did eat something which we we talked about on the last podcast how we were possibly going to have a taste test because we had that that big debate question, which is better, treat or spam? And, uh, Corey, why don't you, uh, why don't you kind of explain what, what we ended up doing at your house? Well, we had a taste off. We had several different, uh, edible meats, <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better term. Are, are you uh, sure? Uh, no, not 100%. <laughs> that's what I'm going to go with. It makes it easier to digest. Um, <laughs> There was a spam treat, uh, Vienna sausages. Yeah, we had three different kinds. Original, smoked, and then, um, the last one was hot and spicy, which was like a Louisiana hot sauce type. And then we had, uh, deviled ham and potted meat. And I don't think I will ever try those two again. I'm not a big fan of potted meat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but here's the thing, you know, you, you said, I believe you said this last time. If you didn't say it last time on the podcast, you, you did tell me that, you know what, you're going to have to try it and see if you're even going to like it 
you know, before go socking money into it or, you know, where it comes down to where you have to eat it, at least right. you can kind of prepare yourself of, hey, this is not going to taste very good, but I'm going to need the, you know, the calories. So, so yeah, uh, actually I liked potted meat better than deviled ham. Um, and, you know, we, we bought all name brand stuff. We did not go for the cheapest. I mean, the, uh, Vienna sausages were armor. The potted meat was armor. Um, the deviled ham was, uh, can't remember the name brand of the deviled ham. Um, I can't remember either. Yeah. But the way we did the taste test is that, you know, we didn't put out what the name of it was. Um, you know, we, so when you went to grab it, you didn't know if it was spam or treat or which being a sausage or potted meat or deviled ham. Right. Oh, and the name brand of that deviled ham was Underwood deviled ham spread. Um, from the William Underwood company. So that is, you know, that, that is a definite big name brand. Yeah, because I I think the deviled ham was the most expensive, um, of of all the purchases for the meat, which was kind of amazing. You know, because I believe it was close to uh, two dollars for that can, which they can. It keep. wasn't worth it. <laughs> no, no, they can keep it. Um, as far as Vienna sausages, I've never been a fan of Vienna sausages. Um, I can, I can eat, eat them in. In a pinch. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed because the store that I went to, um, they did not have the barbecued, um, Vienna sausages, which the barbecue sauce that is actually in it, I don't know how long it will last. And if, if the, um, the barbecue sauce will allow the Vienna sausages to keep on the shelf longer than like let's say the original. Um, but that's actually pretty tolerable and it, it doesn't taste bad, but at the same time, it's, it's getting masked by the barbecue, by the barbecue sauce. sauce. Right. So, um, the hot and spicy was not very good at all. No. Um, the smoked sausage. Now I, myself, I, I would rather eat, um, smoked sausage than a hot dog. You know, I, I really like smoked sausage, especially off the grill. Um, and the smoked sausage, uh, Vienna sausage was terrible. I mean, it was absolutely terrible. That was the worst one to choke down. Um, yeah. And when we did this taste test, it wasn't just me and Matt. It was, we included our own family. It was, uh, yeah, we, we made the kids try it. And, uh, you know, just to give them a little bit of, uh, you know, kids and spouses. Yeah. Our spouses. And then, uh, my sister-in-law was in town yep. with us. So, uh, we made her eat it as well. And, uh, surprisingly enough, um, the one that everyone seemed to like the best and would eat was spam. Yeah. And, you know, to me, that's not surprisingly because I, you know, we discussed the last time we ate it as a kid. Right. But. Yeah, no. and, and the treat, you know, after, I don't know, there for a while, you know, I was buying treat, making treat sandwiches and everything, and, you know, it wasn't a big deal. But having spam and treat side by side, 
There is a difference. There is a major difference, and Spam is a lot better tasting. Yeah, it, it tasted like a watery ham, and that's what a lot of people said. Yeah. You know, uh, your sister-in-law said that. You know, my my stepdaughter said that. Uh, both of her wives said that. That it just tastes like a watery ham, and it had the best taste. Um, heck, all the boys, they love that. Yeah, our boys couldn't really tell a difference. They ate it. Yeah. You give them crackers, and they were good. Yep. They were eating it down. So, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, highly recommended to, uh, go ahead and spend the six dollars. You know, if you have an extra six bucks next time you're at the store, instead of, you know, buying junk food or whatever, go ahead and, and buy some of these, you know, survival type canned foods that everybody talks about and, you know, see if you can really hack it or not. Yeah, because it's something that, uh, you know, it doesn't take up too much room in your cupboard. You can keep back for emergencies, and it doesn't take much to heat up and uh, to have a decent meal. You're absolutely right, man. Well, all right. So, what is this podcast about? Uh, this episode, episode three, is about communication. Um. We are going to, uh, believe start off talking about, uh, walkie talkies. Yep. Two ways. A lot of people use two ways. Um, should I go ahead and talk about the, uh, the different, uh, services and, or as far as, you know, bands, I guess you would kind of call them, uh, the use because, um, you have, uh, the Citizens Band radio, which is, you know, of course, two-way service. Um, that's more commonly known as a CB. Um, you have the multi-use radio service, which is commonly known as the MERS um, two-way radio service. Um, you have the General Mobile radio service, which is better known as GMRS. And you have the family radio service, which is better known as FRS. So I did some research and kind of looked at what the differences was. Um, multi-use radio service um, is real similar to a CB. Um, but in the fall of 2000, MERS created a radio service allowing for unlicensed operation with a power limit of 2 watts. Um, one thing about MERS is from what I have found, I do not have a MERS radio, but from what I have found, it's a five channel radio. Um, but one thing that's kind of nice about MERS is not a lot of people are using it. So if you want something that, you know, pumps out some pretty good power, but doesn't have a whole lot of people um, you know, on their channels, the MERS would, would, would be a good choice. Um, uh, CB, you know, everybody, you know, should see, should have seen Smokey and the Bandit, so you know exactly what a CB is. You know, all the trekkers have CBs. Um, CBs are, <clears throat> excuse me, 
It's a short distance radio communication. Um, it usually has a selection of 40 channels within the 27 megahertz band. Um, in many countries, CB does not require a license. Um, but the downfall is like many of the two-way radios, um, there's a lot of users that are actually, um, using those channels. So, um, only one station can transmit at a time. So you kind of, if, if it's a busy channel, you're going to have to either switch to something else, um, or, you know, wait your turn and, um, and go from there. Um, now the thing with CB is you can, depending on what the weather conditions are, you can really go out pretty far. Um, and with the GMRS and FRS, which I kind of like to group together, they're kind of like your basic two ways that you're going to use for hunting, uh, camping, hiking, stuff like that. Um, they're usually uh, hybrids uh, two ways, which contain both GMRS channels and FRS channels. Which is what Corey and I have. Yeah, I have the, uh, Midland LXT 112. Um, it's a decent little, uh, two way. It, um, price about $35 for it. It's got a 16 mile range, but once again, that range is, uh, depends on the weather conditions. Um, the area surrounding it, um, you know, buildings, mountains, trees, and we've gotten, uh, about two miles, three miles starting to break up, um, out of these radios. Yes. And I have the, uh, LXT 326, uh, Midland Extra Talk, um, it is a 22 channel, uh, FRS, GMRS. Um, let's see, I'm looking right now. And I believe it's a 24 mile, 24 mile, uh, radio. But the, the thing that when, when you're going to look for a two way, Something that you have to remember is that is on the GMRS, um, those are on the, when, when they talk about the range, they talk about the, that's the GMRS maximum power channels and that's optimum conditions. So that means, you know, you're on one mountain top, I'm on the other mountain top. It's completely clear. There's not a cloud in the sky. And, you know, we are 22 miles away from each other. We hit the button. And, yes, you come through and I come through on yours. No problem. Here's the thing, though. With GMRS, you have to have a license. Um, so that's why we use our FRS channels, which are the family radio service which you do not require a license. 
and uh you know right we were we were looking right around the two mile mark is when we started breaking up um that was also we, when we tested it we tested it you know not only in the woods but we also tested it driving um that was uh driving both of us moving at a pace i let Corey get ahead of me and uh he was about he was about a mile up the road and i fell back and you know i still had him within sight um because the road that we were driving on was you know it's a very long straight road um with not a lot of obstructions and i was able to see him a mile up the road but um he came in clear you know completely clear um now we also tested it from stationary point where Corey was at his house and I drove away and wanted to kind of see, you know, kind of how far out. And, um, when he started breaking up and I started breaking up on his end, I marked a, um, a monument, you know, one of the buildings that I was driving by. When I got home, I called him. Uh, because I was leaving his house and I told him, Hey, I was breaking up, you know, by this building. And we went on Google and, you know, ran a quick radius and, you know, found out that it was, you know, right, right around two miles out. Um, which is not bad for FRS, but you have to remember that you know, they're going to tell you, Oh, yes, this is 16 mile or this is 24 mile or this is a 30 mile. And, that is optimum conditions and it's not reality. You know, once you, once you get down into a low lying area or you get something where there's trees or, you know, a bunch of buildings, you know, it starts cutting that down drastically. And, uh, you know, just kind of a, kind of a rule of thumb, you know, divide it, divide what, what they say the maximum range is. Kind of divide it by 10 because that's, that's what we've kind of found. Um, and you know, that's about what your true range is with like an FRS. Um, you know, we're not saying that that is exact, just the radios that we've had in the past and the radios that we have now. Um, that has proven to be true. Um, you know, cause Corey, your, you said yours was what 16 mile. Yeah, 16 okay. miles. Okay, so divide that by 10, you got 1.6 miles, you know, which we hit right around two. Yeah, that's about right. So yeah, that, that's about right. Um, now we had a, back a couple years ago, we had Motorola. And, um, you know, Motorola was real big. That's when Nextel was, you know, the king of the cell phones and everybody had a Nextel. Well, we had two ways. And, um, uh, we, well, we wanted two ways. So we went out and we bought Motorola two ways, uh, because, you know, we had Motorola cell phones thinking that Motorola would be top of the line. And we did not have that very good luck with Motorola two ways. Um, uh, we could barely get a half mile out of it. And I believe that one was an 18 mile. And I remember paying like 60 bucks for it a couple of years ago. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's a, that's a pretty big investment into two-way radios. You know, and you, you, 
you would think that you would be able to get more than just half a mile out of it. And, uh, but no, I, I ended up paying $29, um, for mine. It comes with the, uh, desktop charger, um, two rechargeable batteries and, uh, two handsets. So I ended up getting it at Dunham's and model is the extra talk LXT 326. Um, you know, just repeating that again in case you want to want to check it out. One thing that's nice is on the 326, it does have an NOAA weather radio. And you can go ahead and scan through the 10 channels of the weather bands. So that's a nice little bonus um, to this set. Yeah, one thing uh, I just got on MidlandRadio.com and uh, on all of their um, two-way radios, um, they have a little note at the bottom saying maximum range can only be achieved over water or open rural areas under optimum conditions. Just to kind of back up what you were saying. Yep. So there you go. Now, um, for all of our listeners, go ahead and, if, if you don't mind, um, you know, it kind of sounds like, like we're plugging Midland, um, quite a bit. Well, that's what we have right now. And for the money that we wanted to spend, that was the company that offered everything that we wanted to spend our money on. And we ended up getting a pretty decent product. You know, we're not saying that, you know, our Midland radios are the best. Um, but. For what we need them for, they work very efficiently for us. Um, what I would like is for our listeners to go ahead and, um, you know, email us, uh, some sort of a response or a comment. If you have Cobra, um, I would, I would love to have, you know, Cobra radios because I, I've always heard that they're good, but, you know, they, they are expensive. Um, you know, let me know if, Maybe my next radio should be a Cobra and tell me why. Um, if it's, if it's more reliable than a Midland or something, you know, it, it might be something that we look into to, uh, you know, an upgrade, you know, after, uh, after these wear out or, you know, get broke or, or whatever. Um, and you can email us at survival.tech at yahoo.com. And also you can uh, contact us via our website at survivaltech.webs.com and be, uh, feel short, yeah, be sure to, uh, post to our forum. Very good. Very good. But yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, uh, two ways that, that we've had, we've had to deal with. And I, I'm, I'm really serious. I have, you know, we, we took them out mushroom hunting. And, um, everything else. We've actually got a trip coming up, um, in about a month where we're going to, uh, be going down into Mammoth Cave. And, um, you know, our, our two ways are definitely going to be on us. Um, looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I think that's pretty much it on the two way side of things. Um, some other communications. Um, we've got the spot satellite messenger. Corey, have you had, uh, any interaction with that? Because I have not. 
No, I haven't. Um, I've looked into them. I've read about them. Um, they seem to be a great tool to have on you if you're going to be going out, um, doing a lot of hiking or, uh, up in, you know, somewhere remote. Um, they, they do have a wide range of coverage that they're able to send out to. Um, I've just seen that they also are now having a smartphone capable uh, connection using a secondary unit um, with your smartphone called the Spot Connect, I believe, um, which allows your smartphone to be able to, uh, without service, send um, messages uh, and then update uh, social networking accounts. Um, and it also can call for help or, uh, you know, for something small as in your car broke down to an SOS. If you're, um, stranded, you know, in a out remote woods. And one thing that I've noticed, um, I'm kind of a fan of the out of the wild series which is a um, TV show on Discovery. Um, I cannot remember if the original, the Alaskan experiment, if they had them, I'm sure they did, but out of the, out of the wild, um, the Alaskan experiment, which was actually season two, if you look into it, they all were carrying the spot. And the um, uh, the last one that they just had, um, out of the wild was Venezuela. Yeah. They were also carrying the spot. So, um, if, if, if our listeners get a chance, they want to see some, you know, pretty decent survival, uh, TV shows, you know, of amateurs. Uh, right. And, the, you know, this isn't, you know, Dave and Cody and this isn't Bear Girls and this isn't Les Stroud. Um, you know, just regular people, you know, and I'm sure they're getting help. You know, there's, you know, there are, you know, rules against, you know, making sure that they're not going to go out there and die. Um, but put into, put in some pretty grisly situations. Um, those are some pretty neat shows. They definitely, uh, attract my entrance. So, um, well, along with the spot and, you have uh you have the capability with your smartphone um a lot of people that that uh i have seen on forums um they're they're asking what is the best survival cell phone so Corey, what are your thoughts on the best survival cell phone because if people are going to ask it what's your answer my answer would be a smartphone via uh Apple, iPhone, um Android or a Blackberry. Um there's so many newer ones out there. Um but as a smartphone that is able to do multiple um ways of sending out information via you know updating your Facebook or other social networking um site or it's sending a text message, making a phone call, sending an email. Um, the possibilities are almost endless. Um, 
if you have service. And that's the big thing. Um, but usually, um, if you send a text message and it doesn't go through, um, you may, it may go through once you get service. So that, you know, even though you sent it and it may not have went, um, at times, you know, it may, once you do get a, a split second of signal, it may send that text message that you sent through, um, which could, you know, could save your life. So I would go with the smartphone. And, uh, me personally, I have the Apple iPhone, just a 3GS. Um, but I'm very happy with the performance of it so far. Um, but the one thing you got to worry about with a smartphone is your battery life. Um, especially if you're using some of these applications, um, they just suck your battery dry. Um, so that's something to be careful of if, you know, if you're in a situation where you feel you may need to use it to rely on to get help, um, while you have a service, maybe not, you know, be on the internet and, you know, search for useless information or, uh, just, you know, checking your Facebook it may not be something you want to do because especially using the internet, um, it drains that battery. Um, I end up having to charge my battery every night and usually by seven, eight o'clock, it is completely dead and shutting off, um, by, you know, running applications on it. All right, here's a scenario for you. I know you love your iPhone, okay? But let's say you're out in the middle of the woods and you're uh, climbing up a, a rock face and you end up dropping your cell phone. You're out quite a bit of money, aren't you, with an iPhone? If you don't have the... You know, no insurance, Correct. nothing. You have Perfect, to, John. Right. You know, well, just, I have the, the OtterBox case, and I feel pretty confident on my OtterBox case. Um, I did drop it from 15 foot off a ladder uh, on the concrete, and it broke a piece of my case, but my phone is, you know, completely fine. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, it, it, yeah. To replace it, it is, you know. Just... Yeah, a common person, no insurance, no nothing on it. You end up dropping it. Now you're out. Now yep. you're out. What, what, what's the going price on them? Yeah, right around what, hundred bucks? Fifty to a hundred dollars. Okay. To buy it with the service package and then, um, to replace one while you're already in contract is around five hundred. <sighs> Whoa. Yeah. Okay. What would you suggest then if somebody just wants something? To go out and, you know, pay a little bit of money for and have something that just allows a phone call or a text message. Well, I think you can't go wrong with a track phone. You know, uh, I've done some research on them before I, you know, switched to this you know, when I upgraded to my iPhone. Um, but, you know, for the price, I mean, you load it up and. It sits there if you don't, I mean, there's some packages that expire. Um, but if you get minutes that don't expire or have a long time before they expire, you really can't go wrong. It's not something, you know, it's something you should think about buying and tossing in your bag. Um, 
you know, and just kind of forget about it until you need it. Right. Um, I actually have a track phone for emergencies. Um, I do not carry a cell phone just to talk on the cell phone. Um, my wife has, you know, a Verizon cell phone that, that she uses all the time. Um, but mine is mainly for emergencies. And I can tell you from experience that, um, as long as I don't use my phone, I have forgotten to turn my phone off or charge it or anything or something like that. And I have had decent enough battery life four days later to make a few phone calls before it, it really pulled the battery down. And that was leaving the phone on. And my, my track phone is actually pretty old. Um, Another thing that's kind of nice about the track phone is it bounces off of um, other cell towers. So it's not like a dedicated service where it's, you know, pulling off strictly, you know, Verizon towers or T-Mobile or AT&T or whatever. Um, you know, track phone actually has agreements with all the major companies where um, they can bounce their signal off. and yeah, that's why it it's not it's not the most cost effective way to have a phone, but for the most part I have three months to use the minutes that that I put on my phone. So you know that's that's really not that big of a deal. Um you know, when you're, when you're looking at, you know, between 10 and 20 cents a minute is what you're, you're really going to pay. Um, but yeah, uh, I've, I've had pretty good luck with mine and it's very basic. Um, you know, I, I can get on the internet with mine. Um, it eats up the minutes pretty quick. Um, I can text and I can call and I've had, I've had pretty good signals in a lot of places that that a lot of other people have not. Um, and one thing that's kind of nice now, you know, I'm I'm saying the you know, I've got a track phone, so that's what I'm kind of pushing because that's what I'm I'm used to. Uh, but there are a lot of other phones out there, you know, Net 10 and everything else. You know, it's just you know find out what areas you're going to be in and and definitely check the coverage before you buy. Um, but I know right now at Family Dollar and Dollar General stores, and I believe Big Lots and Odd Lots and uh, Walmart, Meyer, you know, all, all the the big chain stores, um, including gas stations and everything else, you know, you can not only buy minutes, but you can also buy the phones. And last time um, I was in a Dollar General, they had just a small, basic, uh, track phone, you know, nothing fancy about it for eight bucks. And, uh, you know, when you're up on that, <laughs> that rock face and, you know, what, which would you rather drop your $8 track phone or your, you know, you know, hundred dollar or more iPhone. So everybody talks about, you know, survival cell phones. So there's, there's some options from from us. Well, Corey, uh, would you like to go ahead and take a break real quick? 
when we come back, we can kind of get into the the older and more traditional um, signaling and communication skills. Sounds good. All righty. Well, we will be back right after these messages. Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens, and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air, day and night. This station and hundreds of other radio and TV stations throughout this part of the country are pooling their resources through an emergency network hookup to keep you informed of all developments. Are you a fan of horror movies? Find the Rabid Infectious Podcast on iTunes and at www.ripshow.webs.com for the best reviews of old and new genre movies. The show is not for the faint of heart and definitely not for listeners under 18. You have been warned. Welcome back to Survival Tech. We're now going to talk about some of the more traditional ways of uh, communication. Uh, these are taken from several different sites as far as uh, emergencymadeeasy.com, um, also out of the Pocket Outdoor Survival Guide by J. Wayne Fierce. And um, you have one too, don't you, Matt? Uh, yes, I do. It's uh, wilderness-survival.net. Um, these are all very similar. And the techniques, um, they, you know, all have some, you know, variety to them, but the basic information is still about the same, especially, uh, emergency made easy and the outdoor survival guide. They kind of go hand in hand with the, the 10 survival communication techniques that they got. Um, just different ones that go in more in depth on than others. Uh, the, uh, I'm going to read down through the 10 survival techniques and give brief description on them. And uh, feel free to chime in and um, add your thoughts to these as we go. That'll work. Uh, number one, the survival whistle. Um, it's easily make a loud noise for others to be able to hear you. Um, small, compact, easy to carry. Um, I do have one. Uh, never really used it. Never really even... Tried it out, uh, which is probably something I should do. Make sure it's not broke <laughs> and get out in a, you know, situation I need it and not work. Um, one thing that's nice about a whistle is it'll actually save your voice, keep you from getting a, a sore throat from yelling. And it can be usually heard, you know, farther distance than you, what your voice can carry. Yep. Number two is a flashlight. Uh, flashlight's great for not only in low visibility conditions, um, but it's for other, another way to alert others of your location. Uh, you can use it to, uh, point towards the sky or, you know, towards a general area and, uh, summons for help using the standard, you know, SOS signaling or, uh, any other Morse code that you may, you know, if you're more well-rounded than I am with Morse code. Um, which I hope to be soon, but you could, you know, use a flashlight to, to signal your, uh, distress. 
Uh, number three is a fire. Fire is a great way to uh, let others know your location both day and night. Uh, you can use green, greener leaves and uh, branches to create smoke for smoke signaling, um, which can be basically, you know, three puffs of smoke, you know, is SOS. And then also, you know, it's bright yellow orange light is easily seen by uh, search parties and especially by air. Um, um, something else is, uh, you know, uh, like medium sized fires instead of doing one large fire, doing like uh, medium fires and um, threes, like three in a straight line. They usually yeah. help signal that, you know, hey, there's a situation here. Um, you, you'll you'll find a lot of a lot of through this, you know, three is the number, you know, like uh, three bursts with your whistle. Um, that's usually what what they try and what they say is best to go ahead and and get your. Uh, and and that's absolutely right. You know, three bursts with the whistle, three puffs of smoke, you know, three different fires, three flashes of your flashlight. Yep. It all, you know, goes hand in hand. And uh, with smoke, that was actually number four. I got ahead of myself. Uh, you know, smoke can make, you know, be seen to rise above the trees and buildings to, you know, give your location more noticeable. Uh, number five is words. Um, make words like help or SOS in snow or sand um, or out of, you know, woods, you know, tree branches that are down in an open area. Uh, something that can be easily visible from the sky. And you also, if you spell out words, you want to use, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Contradicting color. Mm-hmm. Um, so it stands out so it doesn't look like it's, like it's know, natural. Yeah. You want to make it as, you know, man-made as possible to give, you know, focus on. Uh, number six is bright colors. Uh, display bright colors where they can be seen easily from a distance, like in a tree or clear field. Uh, any bright colors will do, whether, uh, it's garbage or survival bag, a coat, um, whatever you may have, you know, on your, on yourself or you're able to scavenge, um, in the location where you, you know, are needing help. Now, does it say anything about what is the best to choose as far as the color? Does it list that? Um, let me pull it up page on Outdoor Survival Guide. Um, it does not say it on Emergency Made Easy. Okay, because I, I would believe it, it would have to be a real bright orange, but I'm starting to see a lot of stuff now that's, you know, bright neon green, almost yellow, and then the, the hot neon pink, you know, which is definitely, you know, contrasting versus, you know, the colors of nature. I'll read the little uh, section in the Outdoor Survival Guide. Okay. Um, what he says about bright clothing and equipment. The bright orange clothing many hunters wear work well as, sig- as a signal, especially if air traffic is used in a search. Even a white t-shirt or yellow rain suit can be used as, as a signal panel. Brightly colored equipment, such as a red tube tent or orange pack, has been used to signal searchers. The bottom line is to find something that stands out from the train that you are in. So well, there you go. Saying, you know, any brightly colored, you know, something that stands out from the natural surroundings. Well, very good. That's good to know. 
Um, back to the top ten, uh, flares is number seven. Um, they recommend keeping some signal flares in your survival pack, um, which is an excellent way, you know, to signal for help. Um, and they can also be used to start a fire. I have not ever used a flare before, therefore I, you know, not sure of the, you know, safety of it. I would, you know, be afraid of falling and it going off in my bag. I'm sure there's probably some precautions to it, but, um, that's something I, I wouldn't mind getting some and, you know, setting off just to see, you know, what it takes to and how they should be packaged. Well, and if any of our listeners, you know, are more familiar with flares, please, you know, drop us a line and, you know, let us know your thoughts on flares and, you know, if they're safe to carry in a survival pack or, um, if there's, you know, what precautions, I'm sure there are precautions, but, you know, what precautions are needed to keep them safe. Yeah. Maximum shelf life would be nice to know too. Um, yeah. And you want to make sure you, you know, abide by that. And either use them up or, you know, discard them in the correct manner when they're reaching their end of their shelf life. Yeah, because, um, on the wilderness, wilderness-survival.net, excuse me, um, they talk about pen flares, which is usually part of an aviator survival vest. Um, and, when fired, the pin flare sounds like a pistol shot and fires the flare about 150 meters high. Um, it's about three centimeters in diameter. And then they also talk about star parachute flares. Um, they reach a height of 200 to 215 meters, but they descend at a rate of 2.1 meters per second. And the uh, M126 red, I'm assuming it's flare type, burns about 50 seconds. And uh at, at night, you can see these flares between 48 and 56 kilometers away. So, yeah, if anybody can, uh you know, give us some insight on different types of flares that you've used, what you carry, or what you, you know, recommend, and, you know, pricing on this, you know, that, that, that's, that's one thing that we like to do is we like to give kind of like roundabout prices. Yeah, so you can make your decision from there because price does affect everything and in your decisions on what to carry and what to buy. Especially when you start putting these packs together. Um, I'm still in the process of putting together my, you know, final pack and what I wanted to put in it from doing research to what I am putting in is deferring because as I sit down and start adding this up, I'm starting to get up in the, you know, couple hundred dollar range. Um, getting up to like two, three, four hundred dollars in just one bag. And I wanted to build two bags that were similar, you know, had the core basic, you know, pieces in it, but, you know, also deferred. So I had a variety of, you know, uh, equipment to choose from. Right. Um, and it, and if we're, you know, even, you know, for the most part, you know, we're doing product reviews too, you know. I didn't go out and buy a hundred dollar Cobra set of radios because my, the Midland set that I found for 30 bucks, you know, is everything that I need. You know, that's a more feasible, you know, purchase for, for us so we can actually give a review, you know, to our audience. So, you know, if we can get, you know, cheap pen flares versus something else, you know, let us know about how much they are and, uh, you know, we'll, if they're within reason, 
Yeah, that'll be the next review. Um, yeah. Number eight is Mirrors. Um, and on Emergency Made Easy, they got a brief description of any bright object will serve as a signaling device. Uh, use any shiny object to reflect the sun's light towards help. Um, the Outdoor Survival Guide, uh, goes really in depth on signaling mirrors and how to use them and a couple of stories of them uh, being used. I'm just going to read some of it um, right now. Uh, signal mirrors. Most survival experts consider the signal mirror to be one of the best signaling devices available. Uh, small, easy to carry in a survival kit, coat, or day pack. And it amazes people how far a reflection from these little mirrors can be seen. United States Air Force rescue planes have spotted a survival mirror from as far as 100 miles away. Distances of 30 to 40 miles are common. Several times, lost people have used a signal mirror to attract the attention of rangers um, in a forest fire tower or searchers miles away on a mountainside or in a flat desert. Um, and then they go on to give some other, you know, uh, explanations of, you know, how to use a signal mirror and, you know, how they've been used, um, to rescue people. And then the last paragraph, which is, um, I found it real interesting, uh, signal mirrors may be improvised from almost any shiny object, aluminum foil, car mirror, bottom out of a tin can with a hole in the center, or even a CD disc. In fact, a CD disc makes an excellent signal mirror due to its highly reflective surface and the hole in the center that can be used as an aiming device. And with today's technology and, you know, everything going MP3, a lot of us have CDs that are, you know, scratched up, may not work. We don't listen to them. We don't use them. Um, we have all the music on MP3, you know, on our computer, on our iPod, iPhone, whatever it may be. So, you know, take a couple of those old CD discs and throw them in your backpack um, to be used as a signal mirror. And then number nine is gunshots. Um, loud and unique, a gunshot sound is very effective in alerting others of your location in a survival situation. Um, and this even goes back to the rule of three. You know, three gunshots um, is usually, you know, someone's in distress and needs help. The only thing with gunshots is that uh, once you pull the trigger, there's something coming out that barrel. So you want to make sure, just like any other, you know, uh, begin, beginner gun safety. Make sure it's pointed in a, you know, safe direction, um, away from highways, roads, buildings, houses, um, civilization, um, other people, or anything that you don't intend, you know, to do harm to. And pointing it up in the air, you know, physics says whatever goes up must come down. Um, it will come down. And it depends on the trajectory how far it'll go. Um, and usually it'll, you know, lose quite a bit of its, um, what I want to say, lethalness. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the ballistics, um, 
with, you know, fighting gravity and then when it actually returns back to Earth. But you still want to be careful and watch where you're pointing. And then number 10 is, excuse me, uh, body signals. Uh, get to a high ground or climb a tree. Emotion that you're in trouble. Certain actions are known to show distress. Waving your arms, um, is an, you know, good way to, you know, let others know that, you know, you need help and, uh, it's a easy movement to recognize, um, you know, from a distance. So there's your top 10 um, survival communication techniques from Emergency Made Easy combined with uh, information on the Pocket Outdoor Survival Guide. Um, there's more information um, in both of them. Um, if you feel free. Uh, Emergency Made Easy also goes on. Talk about uh, survival communication tools, um, uh, which I haven't read all of yet, but uh, does sound you know pretty interesting. It kind of just goes back over the top ten um, and a little more in depth. Well, very good. Um, one thing that is extremely hard to talk about, um, you know through a show like this without actually seeing something is Morse code. Um, Morse code is, it's kind of a, a dying language, which is kind of sad. Um, but it is good to, to know. Um, one thing that everybody should know is, um, the SOS code for Morse code. Which SOS is three dots, three dashes, and then three dots. And that is your SOS code. Um, what we're going to be doing though is, um, as you can tell with the album art, um, for this episode, uh, we've included a little Morse code, uh, cheat sheet. So, um, you know, go ahead and and try it out with your uh, flashlights with a buddy or uh, you know, your two-way radios uh, using the pulses. But, um, yeah, give, give it a try, and, and let's try and, and keep Morse code alive. Yeah, that's definitely something I want to learn. Um, I may not, you know, pick up, up all of it right away, but even if I just pick up, you know, the SOS, the help, the, you know, the distress signals, First, I would be satisfied because you know it's it's so versatile. You can use it with um, you know light. You can use it with sound. You can use it with binary code. You can use it with you know all sorts of you know ways to show you know Morse code. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see, you've uh, you've got something with aircraft, right? Yeah, another, uh, okay, cause I have one. Go, go ahead and do yours about your, what is it, ground to air? Yep, ground to air signal. Okay, and then. Kind of hard to explain, you know, just like Morse code on a, you know, a podcast, um, because the way the symbols are, um, I'm out of the pocket outdoor survival guide, um, there's a list of 18 of them that are the most commonly used. 
Uh, I'm going to pick, you know, a few of them out and try to explain, you know, how to do them. Some of them are fairly simple. Some of them are di- more difficult and are kind of more specific um, to certain areas. Uh, the traditional X um, means unable to proceed. Um, a single line m- means a required doctor that there's serious injuries. Um, two lines uh, means require medical supplies. And F would require food and water. Um, an arrow uh, pointing in the direction that you are traveling um, is just that. It lets you know airmen know in which direction that they should you know focus their search on because that's the way you are heading. Um, and if there is an area, let's say you're broke down, you're you got a broken leg, you know you're in a shelter, a makeshift shelter, um, but there's an uh, open area nearby where an aircraft may be able to land. Along with some of the other signals like fire, um, signal mirror, um, a triangle would mean that it's probably safe to land here, um, which would may be a great one for the uh, pilot to know that you know the the area is you know going to be able to hold his aircraft. Um, and the L um, is require fuel and oil. Um, a square would. Uh, mean require a compass and a map, which goes back to our, uh, uh, episode, episode one. one about compasses <laughs> that we focused on quite a bit, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, in for no, why for yes, kind of self-explanatory. Um, there's several other ones on here. Um, like, uh, require firearms and ammunition, kind of more difficult to explain. Um, aircraft badly damaged, kind of, you know, if you're down in a plane or helicopter, um, will attempt to take off. Um, require engineer, which if you're in a survival situation, I don't know if you really need an engineer, <laughs> but, uh, there is a, there is a, you know, commonly used signal for that. Um, let's see here. Some of the other ones. Uh, whether or not you understand something, you know, if they're trying to give you information, um, all as well as two L's. So, I mean, th- these are, you know, nice to know, um, because more than likely if you're in a dense, you know, woods or, you know, out somewhere, your, uh, survival, oh, what is the word? Being saved, being rescued, that's the word I'm looking for, um, is going to come from the air. So enabled, you know, to help out the airmen, um, would be your biggest, you know, way of being rescued. Well, very cool. I've got one, um, which is, is kind of neat. And this is, this can be found on wilderness-survival.net. Um, it's aircraft vectoring procedures and it states on this website if you can contact a friendly aircraft with radio guide the pilot to your location use the following general format to guide the pilot Um, first you need to say mayday mayday and then a call sign if any name location number of survivors available landing sites 
and then any remarks such as medical aid or other specific types of help needed immediately. And it says simply because you've made contact with rescuers does not mean you are safe. Follow the instructions and continue to, to use sound, survival, innovation techniques until you're actually rescued. Um, so that, that kind of you know, possibly puts it in where <laughs> you're in a you know a possible unfriendly area, but uh, for the most part, um, if you follow that, you know that's that's kind of neat to know. Yeah. Well, very good. Um, I found something that I would you know, I thought was interesting. Um, as a communication tool. Okay. Especially when you're um, giving your location or explaining your area um, or, you know, points of, you know, rende- rendezvous points. Rendezvous. <laughs> rendezvous. Thank you. Yeah. It's um, another late night. <laughs> yes, it is. As uh, using official U.S. military alphabet. Um, it's widely known, widely understood. Um, all it is is words to describe the letters in the alphabet. Um, but there are specific words that, you know, the U.S. military uses, um, to establish, you know, which letter is, you know, is being used, whether it be a location, um, for, you know, or if it's, you know, even, Given a license plate number or whatnot is it, the most is, commonly used. Is it mainly because, you know, D's and B's sound alike over a radio, N's and M's? Yes. Okay. Um, and without saying A is this, B is this, I'm just going to read through the words right. um, for the alphabet. Yep, everybody uh, should get it. Yeah. Uh, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo, Foxtrot, Golf, Hotel. India, Juliet, Kilo, Lima, or Lima, Mike, November, Oscar, Paul, Quebec, Romeo, Syria, Tango, Uniform, Victor, Whiskey, X-Ray, Yankee, Zulu. And from speaking to uh, some of my... Uh, Friends and coworkers that were in the military, um, really the only one that you were allowed to, you know, kind of side note, um, mispronounce and be okay with was, uh, Lima or Lima. That was the only one you could get away with, you know, mispronouncing and still be able to get the alphabet down, which is kind of, you know, neat little side note. Everything else had to be exact. Cool. And when you're putting together a plan of, uh, whether it be, you know, evacuation plan for natural disaster, uh, family plan or going, you know, out into the woods, um, and picking different, you know, waypoints along the way, um, this is a great way to, you know, decipher location alpha, bravo, charlie and leaving a detailed map, um, you know, with, friends and family along with one in your vehicle um if you're going to be hiking out that way rescuers know which route you're going to be taking um and you can kind of be able to communicate that um 
with rescuers somehow, some way, whether it be signals, um, words left. That way they can kind of, you know, find out where you're heading next to. Mm-hmm. And then, um, quickly I'm going to go over, uh, NOAA weather radio all hazards. Um, yeah. Gonna touch on it for a minute. Yeah. And then I've got a, uh, crank radio that I would like to touch on because the biggest thing is, you know, communication is not only just, you know, transmitting a message, it's also receiving a message. And that's where, where these two technologies come in. Um, and as far as, uh, getting this information, um, I'm taking it from, uh, Wikipedia and uh, I'm also going to hit on, uh, Homeland Security and FEMA, um, U.S. Homeland Security, uh, on their recommended items to include in the basic emergency survival or supply kit, um, is a battery powered or hand crank radio and an NOAA weather radio with tone alert and extra batteries for both. Um, I believe that the tone alert is critical, um, especially if you have it at home, um, if you have it on, but you know, not necessarily on so that you're listening to, especially when you know bad weather's coming in. Like an F2 tornado. Right. That, uh, that alert will go off and, you know, let you know to wake up that, hey, you know, maybe you should turn the radio on. Um, no, I'm actually looking into getting one because, uh, you know, it's, it's like the last podcast, you know, we we're talking about 72 hour kits and everything. And we said, you know, what's, what's the biggest disaster that we need to prepare for, you know, in this part of Ohio? What well, storms? It's not only winter storms, ice storms, you know, snowstorms. It's all, it's mainly the summer storms, you know, the spring and summer storms. You know, we, a lot of people don't realize, but we actually get hit with, you know, really bad winds, uh, heavy rains and, um, tornadoes, you know, like, like what I seen just a few weeks ago. So, you know, an NOAA is something that I'm going to be investing in, uh, pretty soon because I do not want to sleep through another tornado and have, um, the sirens actually wake me up after the fact. Now I do have an NOAA app for my iPhone um that I can tune in and listen to, but it does not have the tone alert. Um so it's only you know working when I actually you know pull up the application. Uh so I'm gonna be looking to end to getting an actual you know weather radio all hazards. Um and off of Wikipedia, I'm going to read the short little description of it. Uh NOAA Weather Radio All Hazard is a network of radio stations broadcasting continuous weather information directly from a nearby National Weather Service office. It is operated by the National Weather Service, an agency of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, uh, NOAA, within the United States Department of Commerce. NOAA Weather Radio broadcasts National Weather Service warnings, watches, forecasts, and other hazard information 24 hours a day. It also broadcasts alerts of non-weather emergencies such as national security, uh, natural, environmental, and public safety, um, like AMBER Alert, through the uh, Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, Emergency Alert System, which I didn't know that they, you know, had an AMBER Alert on there as well. 
I didn't either. And as far as, you know, national security or any other environmental emergency that we may have, I, you know, thought that weather radio was all, you know, just weather. But I guess if you read the whole name, all hazards, it does kind of incorporate all of it. Um, which makes it even, you know, more of a reason to own one. Right. So what's this, uh, wind up radio you got? Okay. Um, this was something on clearance. Um, in our state, we have, uh, Meyer, uh, stores. Um, depending on what state you live in, you might have a Meyer, you might not. It's pretty much the same thing as a Walmart. Um, but I found this on clearance and it was 15 bucks. It was a wind up flashlight. Um, and radio, and I was like, well, for 15 bucks, I can't go wrong with it. Um, didn't know anything about the company. I figured if it would turn on and act like a flashlight, it'd be a good buy. And if the uh, radio sounded halfway decent, that was fine. Um, actually pretty surprised with uh, everything that it came with. Um, it does have radio. It has a clock on it. Um, it has a high power 20 lumen flashlight with it. Um, it's got a, it's got a, a second mode where you can actually, uh, cut the power down in half. Um, so you're not wasting, you know, the battery. Um, it also has a strobe effect, um, that not only, you know, blinks the flashlight, but there's two red LEDs that it also blinks. And, um, you know, that's great for signaling just in case you get, you know, a flat tire in the middle of the night and you got to change, you know, your tire. Um, a little bit of extra security there. Um, there's a siren on it. Um, do you want to hear the siren? Sure. Let's hear it. There's the siren. Um, but one thing that's nice about this is, um, it's from a company called Life Gear. And after you buy it, I've not sent in yet, um, but I am, I need to, uh, you can get on the website and they sell all these adapters for it. Now it only comes with a lead wire, um, for your cell phone, but you gotta, you gotta actually, it's a free adapter, but you have to pay shipping and handling, but they do that because you know, give you the lead wire and then whatever cell phone you have, you know, you get on the website, tell them, you know, what cell phone you have. They find an adapter that's compatible and then you can actually use the hand crank on this flashlight radio and you can crank it up and charge your cell phone. Um, you can also get AC adapter cables, um, you also get DC, uh, cables so you can, you know, charge up the internal battery, uh, on DC. Um, it's also, uh, runs off tripways. So it's just a great all around little flashlight. It's not real bulky. Um, the MSRP is $24.99, um, on the website. And the website is, uh, let's see. Pull it up here real quick. It is lifegearcompany.com. If anybody is interested, 
Um, it is in the Quad Power products. Um, I have the uh, PSD 6-in-1 DC. Uh, that's the one that I have. Um, they do have two others um, that I wish was 15 bucks or you know even 20 if they had them. Um, this one is a PSD 6-in-1 weather band. Um, it includes uh, not only the cell phone charger, and everything else that the mine offers, um, but it provides full radio uh, for music or access to emergency messages. Um, but it does have the weather band, um, which is which is fairly nice. What's kind of nice about mine is I don't really need the weather band. It would be a nice extra, but I do have the weather band on my um, uh my two ways, my middle and two ways. Um, the one that's really nice though is the quad power, quad power PSD six and one NOAA. And, um, this is a, uh, this has the NOAA alert weather band AM FM radio. And this is $39.99. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty slick. And this is life gear um you know our our listeners would definitely like to look at it um the website offers a lot of neat survival stuff uh, mainly more towards like the disaster um you know natural disaster man-made disasters um but they got you know backpack safety packs um you know water bottle series you know all kinds of different lanterns and stuff like that that are crank up and power um so yeah, it's uh it's it's really neat. Definitely definitely check out this company. And uh, you know, I have uh you know, I do own their product and I'm fairly fairly pleased with it and I use it quite a bit. Um you know, they they say one minute of cranking gives you, you know, one hour of um of flashlight time. You know, I've I've gotten about twenty, twenty five minutes out of it. Uh, but that, that was on high power. So, um, you know, not too bad. Not too bad. Just on a, uh, side note before we, uh, go for this episode, um, I found this interesting little article, um, that I thought would kind of, I'd like to share with y'all. Um, and it's from Yahoo News and it reads, it was also on Fox News too. That's where I found it this morning. Huh. It reads, CDC recommends preparing for all disasters, even zombies. Uh, normal natural disasters are floods, tornadoes, hurricanes, and earthquakes. And being prepared for disasters mean, means being prepared for any type of emergency, including zombies. On Monday, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention blogged about preparing for, for disaster and reminded readers that even in the event of a zombie apocalypse, basic preparedness will help, even if there are flesh-eating roaming, flesh-eaters roaming. Um, the CDC recommends that planning ahead for zombies is really no different than preparing for other types of disasters. Um, the same basic principles apply. Uh, food, water, medication, tools and supplies, uh, sanitation and hygiene, clothing and bedding, important documents, and first aid supplies. Um, as with any 
other emergency. In the event of zombies, you should have an emergency plan that includes evacuation plans and a safe place to get away from zombies. According to the CDC blog, if a zombie apocalypse breaks out, the CDC will investigate the event just like they would any other disease outbreak. Um, they go on and explain, you know, what they do during disease outbreaks. Uh, the CDC encourages citizens to be prepared for any emergency event, whether it's zombies or more common hurricanes, tornadoes, and floods. Um, and you can just read on the, the rest of this uh, article, but I just wanted to throw it out there and kind of, you know, give you our opinion on it and, you know, what we're thinking about. Um, because it kind of caught my eye there. Yeah, kind of a kind of a good way to end the show on a lighter note. Yeah, um, you know, something to kind of you know snicker at. It's uh, <laughs> it's very interesting that the CDC is even you know acknowledging that zombies are a possible outbreak. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I really don't know what to say about it. You know, I mean. You would, it's nice that, you know, a government agency, you know, has a sense of humor, but at the same time, that kind of worries me that a government entity has a sense of humor. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I, I, uh, well, I, I really don't want, you know, the IRS, you know, getting a, a sense of humor with us either, you know. Uh, that could turn out to be a bad thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I just thought that was quite interesting. Feel free to read it. Uh, I found it on Yahoo News. Um, and then, uh, Matt, you said you found it on Fox News. Yeah. So it's out there. Um, there's a bunch of interesting comments that people have written on here. Um, but, you know, it's, it's all in good fun, yeah. I do believe, but. Uh, I think just, you know, getting the word out, you know, to be prepared for all disasters, you know, even even though they, you know, are unlikely to occur, it's still could, I guess. <laughs> well, if uh, if it gets somebody to prepare that that wouldn't normally prepare for, you know, a flood or a hurricane or tornado or, you know, what say it, then, yeah, you know, it, then it's then good. They, right. Then it was worth it. So. But I enjoyed this episode about communication. Um, I enjoyed this one too. Out there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Get your feedback to us. Uh, visit our website uh, once again at www.survivaltech.webs.com. Um, feel, feel free to email us um, at survival.tech at yahoo.com. And uh, until next time, become a member, post our forms, and stay alive, America.